You're listening to the Heat Factory Podcast with Owen Robb and Professor Dr. Rob Stevens, PhD. What's the most fun rogue deck that you've ever seen? Like, what's the craziest rogue deck you've ever seen out there? Mm, that's a good question. Actually, the most surprising success. Oh, in recent memory, the Drew Kennett Bennett Burgrio that was oh, yeah. out in California expanded. That was expanded tournament, yeah. Or uh, even uh, Chris Collins, he played a Crab Abominable deck that was up there. It was good. I'm trying to think of Tonight's that. topic is rogue decks, and we're going to talk about building rogue decks and how to do it. So I thought it was a good idea to think about the rogue decks that have been most impressive. So, all right, rogue decks that I've played at major tournaments. And I'll talk about how successful they were briefly. Have you played rogue decks in major tournaments? Nothing, nothing super crazy. I don't think I've played anything like air quote rogues. Most of the time, I end up playing meta decks that play weird techs. Like I've yeah, played like I think I played like Zoropod with like like Uxi and uh, Mesprit. You played Hitmonchan at last year's Internet Switch. Oh was, yes, that's true. That's pretty rogue at the time, and that was a standard tournament. I think that was expanded. a good. I think that was a good deck. It wasn't just, a good. That was that, yeah. That, that was, was an incredibly. Call. That was a like ninety ten medical. Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, uh, last season I kind of punted the ball Q t- quarter two, yeah. and by the time natural around, I had like no, I had no cares in the world, and there was a Japanese. There was a couple Japanese that had topped some tournaments with over, Hitmonchan. I believe they were like the like Kyoto. We were playing or that into like a Pikaram meta, so I mean. So I decided that oh, I'll just play Hitmonchan. It was Hitmonchan, Hitmonlee, Hitmontop, and they had the special combo. So you attack with Hitmonchan's hit and run, then use Lee's kick, right? And then use the finishing combo with Top and Top. Top did sixty snipe. I actually also played a rogue deck at that tournament. I played uh, Blissey. I don't know. Blissey wasn't that rogue. It's pretty rogue. I mean, I mean, it, people knew it was good. It's it not, was. It it's wasn't not, that good. <laughs> it was, it's not him on channels of like. That's true. Rogue. All right. The the most rogue decks that I've played at tournaments, and decks that I've created, and one of them was rogue, and then became not rogue. I played a version of what people now call wacky smacky. At, I think it was Charlotte. Oh, we played it at Collinsville. At Collinsville, you last and me year. played. We played Wacky Smack. We played Alola Nine Tails Wacky Smacky. Yeah, which was at the time we didn't know that. Like, would you call that the Mahomies? Can I call them the Mahomies on this That's fair. pod? The Mahomies minus Mahone were playing that at that tournament, and I, we didn't know they were bringing that. We just also coincidentally brought that because I had heard that there was a Japanese list playing Vileplume. I believe Ito played. Yeah, he played a, a quad Vileplume deck into a Buzzmosa like heavy meta. Right, and he and he got people. second, I think. Yeah. at the Japanese tournament, and that was probably that was like January, maybe even December. Uh, what is that? 2017, 20? No, 20. Yeah. 2018, 2019 season? Yeah. And I think we both had a little bit of, like, bad luck. I was, like, one win out of day two that time. Oh, we were exhausted. Uh, again, we had, a, we had a we had a terrible, uh, terrible night. Right. Uh, we'll tell one day. Yeah. We, so, keep, we keep alluding to it. We probably should just, we get should, Frank, we should just get Frank on and then talk about it. But sure. anyways. And then, okay, so other rogue decks I've built. I played Lucario Melmetal, the same tournament that John Mostovi played Lucario Melmetal into a fire meta. And then I also... Built. There were other people working on this deck at the time, but I was the first one to play at a major tournament, and I wasn't working with anyone else. I built a Buzzwall Garbodor deck, 
and brought it to an ARG tournament that was pre-Worlds, where we were playing Worlds format, but Worlds format wasn't legal yet. And Buzzwell Garbador, I took it to that tournament, and I think I would have won the tournament, except for I ran into the one person, shout out to Lauren, who was playing and made day two of that tournament with a... Um, it was like Beast Box, like Beast Box, yeah, Beast, Beast Box, Box like Stack Attack, of which plus. was like the the only bad matchup because everyone was playing at the time. Like Zorark Mag Cargo was big. I think like John Ang and Isaiah Bradner were playing that deck at that tournament, and I think one of them oh, this is the ARG Invitational, the Invitational. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got gotcha. you. I think you were talking about just like an ARG up the road. No, Arizona. no, it was ARG Inter- Invitational in Philadelphia yeah. that year before Worlds, and I brought Buzzwall Garbador. And to be fair, my list was like. It wasn't super optimal, but it was pretty close. And then people took it and kind of did did really well with it at Worlds that year. I made were like day twoing Worlds and stuff with it. Yeah, um, I remember I, w- I played the uh, Nashville Open and, and Buzzgarb Shrine was, was everywhere. Was everywhere. It was yeah. littered everywhere. Yeah. So then I want to talk about how to know when it's good time to build a road deck. How to know how to build a rogue deck, and like when the the environment is good for a rogue deck okay so the first thing i think you need to know to build a rogue deck and to play a rogue deck is you have to have a really good understanding of the meta because first off if you're going into an unknown meta for example when a new set drops it's not really a rogue deck if you're bringing it then because the meta is not solved etc but once the meta is you know getting closer to solved people are playing things one of the things i look for is like is there a weakness in the meta there's a couple ways there can be a weakness like typing right if everybody's playing uh, fire and you have a really good idea for a water deck is one way. The Wacky Smacky tournament, the weakness there was that everyone was playing basic Pokemon. So it was really exploitable by Vileplume, which is a card that blocks, that doesn't allow basic Pokemon to attack. Second thing is you have to have a an extended knowledge of the card pool. So one of the things that I do super frequently, tell me if you do this, uh, I go on... Either Pokemon.com or PTCGO, and I just look through the cards. Yeah, like, you all the time. You, I do, I do that a lot too. I just, I go into my account, I hit collection. Yeah, and then hit uh, show not own. Show not own. Yeah, yeah. and then and, just, and then just hit standard or yeah. whatever. Like, well, because I'm, I'm very solid. We are playing expanded. A lot right. of times it's just standard. And maybe you're like, oh, like you were talking about water deck. Like everyone's playing fire. Then just do show not own water types basics or yeah. like. And you can actually do that. You can actually do it more specifically on... Pokemon.com has a function that you can search through cards. It's a little wonky. It doesn't always work as well. But you can actually sort in other ways. You can sort by, like, HP. You can sort by... You have some of those options in PTCGO, but on Pokemon.com you have more options. So that's one way. I think you have to know the card pool because you have to have an understanding of, like, oh, there's this weird card. Like, for example, a really great rogue deck that came out recently... And I don't know who made this rogue deck, so I'm sorry that I'm not giving you a shout-out, but Tangrowth was an, a super good rogue deck. And the advantage of that rogue deck was that nobody even knew what Tangrowth did. Tangrowth does damage multiplied by the number of retreat cost in your opponent's Yeah, for a single line. grass energy. For a single grass energy. And so that person was really smart to abuse like Absol and Tangrowth in order to create that. So reviewing the card pull often and thinking of, like, interesting interactions that people aren't trying. And I know a lot of people do this. I'd also say a thing about building rogue decks that you have to consider is you still need to obey certain rules of, like, deck building, right? Like, 
you're not going to build a rogue deck that works that doesn't have like search or that just abandons all of like the rules of having X amount of energy or um, having X amount of Pokemon. Obviously, those ratios are different between if you're playing a mill deck versus you're playing a regular deck, right? If you're playing a mill deck, you might not need energy or just a small amount of energy. If you're playing an attacking deck, you probably need you know somewhere between like four and twelve energy or something like that. So that's the the next thing. Something that I think people are really fast to dismiss is I think it's good. Okay, whenever I have an ad- idea for a deck, and I get lots of bad ideas for a deck. Owen knows this because when I first started playing, I was playing like Mega Kyogre, which was Primal like Kyogre. Primal Kyogre. Yeah. Primal Kyogre with a bunch of water Pokemon. Yeah, a bunch of water Pokemon. Wasn't super great, but I think that it's good to try every idea that you have. And I would look no further than a good example of this. Frank Persick, great example of this. How many times has Frank emailed you with, like, bad deck ideas? Uh, Frank notoriously goes into group chats and he says, Guys, I have solved the meta. I have solved the I, I, broke, solved, I think I broke the format. I have broken the format. <laughs> I have solved the meta. <clears throat> and to be fair, like... I'm not making fun of Frank because, like, one in five, one in five, ten times, Frank Frank has like broken the meta. Like, he's come up with some really stellar decks. He came up with Sceptile for Expanded. He came up with yeah, um, your Sceptile Shuckle deck that you guys played at Roanoke. Sceptile Shuckle like, we played was it two years back, maybe or a year, year, maybe I think last a year season, and a half, last whatever. Season. Yeah, so he came Ex- up with those decks. Executor, uh, Executor, and Expanded. Eggplant yeah. was uh, was definitely Frank a idea. Frank idea. So. The thing about Frank that the reason why that works so much is because part of it is that Frank's build up credibility, right? So that if he says I've broken the format, you're gonna listen to him, right? And he'll try everything, even if it's bad. The other night Frank messaged me and he was like, Hey, let's try out this deck. We tried it out, it didn't work out super well. Try every deck idea you have. Because what happened when I was building Buzz Garb, it wasn't a linear process. I didn't like say, hey, I think Buzz and Garb would be like a great idea together. I, th- I was trying to look for single prize attackers and I was trying all these different combinations with Buzzwall because at the time, Buzzwall was just a super good deck, uh, a card, it seemed. And finally, I landed on Garbodor and then, you know, somebody else modified that to Buzzwall, Garbodor with Weavile, right? So like the deck evolved, decks evolve. Um, so having testing partners who are like encouraging of your endeavors, who are excited to try new decks with you, is an incredibly important thing. And if you can't find that, then you either A, need to find like new chats where people are willing to do that, or B, you need to play on PTCGO and just not worry. Play rogue decks, play ideas. I played, the other day, I was testing Glaceon Greninja GX, which was a deck like five formats ago and are not cards that are considered good right now. But my idea was like Glaceon blocks abilities and Mewtwo relies on abilities. It's like one of the strongest blockers of GX abilities. Mewtwo doesn't have a way around that. And Greninja can get around a lot of the like stall decks right now because you use Greninja to like ping the bench, like Florges and like Pidgey. Oh, you're talking about uh, Forbidden Light Greninja. Forbidden Light and Greninja. They're talking about Detective Greninja. I'm like, oh yeah, he's just swinging through everything. But yeah. Well, I played a one of that in the deck. I do, I so do the like deck, that idea. The deck. It's, but the thing is, it's good on paper, but it doesn't work in practice. practice. No more uh, Evolution Eevee. Right. It's gone, so... But, so my idea was you had red and blue, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea, you know, if you have a, something that you're theory, theory mining about, try it. There's, like, no reason not to try it because, you know, okay, so I'm not on that idea anymore, but I actually, you know, I have lots of... That's opened up all the doors of possibilities, and the only way you're going to get to the possi- those possibilities, part of theory mining, part of thinking about rogue decks is playing them to find out other possibilities. 
when John Mastovi and I were talking about Lucario Melmetal, he came to me and he was like, hey, you know, I played against somebody playing Lucario Melmetal, and I think the deck might actually be good. We had to, like, really refine that list. We played it probably 100 times to 200 times after that. I kept a spreadsheet of all the testing matchups, and building a rogue deck isn't just something that happens, like, on a whim. It's something that takes practice. It's something that takes an extraordinarily high knowledge of the card pool and of the metagame. But you have to understand the metagame good. So times when I don't understand the metagame, I, I can't build a rogue deck. There's also another time when you can't build a rogue deck, and that's when the meta decks are just too strong, or they cover all the bases. And right now feels like, and it feels like lately, that's been the case. Do you have any idea why that's been the case lately, Owen? Why rogue decks are not evolving? Or are not coming out as much as they had in the past, in my opinion. I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I can tell you, and it has to do with the type of support we're getting for the cards right now. Shoot. Go for it. There's two reasons. One is the tag team support is just too good. Tag team support... And so people, it's not like tag teams are a secret. Everybody's going to try to play the tag team decks. Often rogue decks come from like single prize attackers, right? That's not always the case. Like Lucario and Melmetal is an exception. But the tag team support is just too high. The other reason is that Malamar is kind of the rogue deck killer. Oh yeah, it's the, uh, the Noob Slayer or the, the Standard. There are definitely decks in the past that right. were called the Standard. And right. it, a lot of times it was like Evil Tall, Night March. Yep. Uh, they help define the meta. They help I mean, shape. I keep coming back to Evil Tall because Evil Tall has been such a long. Ever since that card came out, mm-hmm. uh, ever in like 2014, man, Evil Tall used to be like the noob slayer. You would just like, can you beat this Evil Tall that has 170 life? Mm-hmm. And can you do it for a, a low energy cost? Right. And Giratina is what gives that to Malamar because it's like, can you find another single prize attacker that can do 130 every single time? And they need to withstand a 130 attack from Giratina, and it has to be, you have to beat it, and it's on a constant loop. Right. And so, Melamar just slays so many, and I'm not the first person to think of this or say this, obviously, but Melamar just slays so many rogue decks because it's hard to build something that can beat that deck. And that's kind of like, it's like the barrier to entry. Like, if you can't beat Melamar, then don't come onto the court, right? And that's why so many, it's so hard to build a rogue deck right now. Now, obviously, you have really good players out there, really good teams. Like, DDG is always coming up with interesting decks. You had Pidgey, which at the time was a rogue deck, right? You had Naganadel. Negachess? Yeah. No, not Negachess. No, Negachess was crazy. Naganadel GX. Not Naganadel. Naganadel Guzzlord GX. Oh, you're talking, really about, the, you're talking about LAIC. Yeah, but even that's like, you know, was rogue, and they, they did pretty well with it, and it is a deck that's out there. Uh, and they did well with it because there's the element of surprise. That's always the great thing about playing a rogue deck is that nobody knows what you're doing. It's an element of surprise. You can do something weird. So that's some of my advice for building rogue decks and thinking about how to build a rogue deck. You have to have... I'm just going to review it one more time. You have to know the card pool, identify weaknesses in the meta. You have to have a really good understanding of what cards do and what the meta game does. You have to try everything, fail often, don't be afraid, and find people who are going to support your ideas and help you grow them and not like make fun of you for playing rogue decks. One last note, though. When you can't build a rogue deck, there's nothing wrong. As Jesse Parker has told us in our last podcast, there's nothing wrong with just playing meta decks. Meta decks are amazing, and sometimes the ingenuity in deck building comes from not building an entirely new deck, but rather building a deck that has just one or two of the right techs. Going back to... Um, your Glaceon 
Greninja. Greninja idea. Yeah. I like the idea of yeah. taking that and playing it on ladder. Yeah. Because, and the fun thing about what road decks are, typically typically those cards are so cheap. Mm-hmm. And they're even cheaper online. Dirt cheap. Oh, yeah. They're so cheap. and You can trade for a Glaceon online for like a pack of like, I don't know. Like, not even new set. Not, not even new set. set. Yeah. You shouldn't go out and buy these cards immediately. I no. think you should proxy them. I've made that mistake before of like being like, this is going to be great. It's like a rogue deck. And then buying the cards and spending like, you know, 10, 15, 20 bucks on the rogue deck. It's a mistake. Yeah. You should always, always, before you go out and buy the cards for this rogue deck, you should always practice them either online where the the entry cost is so low. Right. Because a lot of these rogue cards are worth almost nothing online. Right. Or you print them out on yourself. There are plenty of resources like Toxic Croak. Yeah. Or piece of pen, Proxy. pen and paper. Yeah. Use a code card. Use your basic energies. Yeah. Sharpie. No big deal. No big deal. I think instead of buying... Sometimes, even though, like I said, that these rogue cards are so cheap, sometimes they're not. Sometimes no, that's true. There are some, some occasions that these rogue cards are just like, they're not common. They're not commonplace. And right. collectors have scooped up their well, fair like, share of them. The if cards. you were going to go play Glaceon and Greninja, I think Greninja is still like a 2 or $3 card. So if you're going to buy like three of them... You know, you still burn like six to ten bucks, which isn't a whole lot. On an idea. On an idea, that's right. On an idea that hasn't been tested. So go ahead and either take those online where you can, if you even, if you got like, let's say that you got your three Glaceons and Mm -hmm. your three Greninjas. Yeah. And you didn't spend, like, let's say you spent like maybe four or five packs. Yeah. That's probably what? Maybe two bucks less than, maybe less than two bucks in real life money. Yeah. So. Yeah, versus it's definitely a good idea. It's to, not even worth the. It's like you got all those cards that are available to you to practice with before you actually make the purchase. Yeah, for less than the value of one card. I will say that on the other hand, when you do go buy those cards, I've heard plenty of story of a card store or someone at a card store seeing the purchases that you buy and knowing that you're about to play a rogue deck at a tournament, even if it's a local tournament. So be careful when you're ordering. Uh, I knew of a deck one time where people were playing a rogue deck they all went and ordered cards off of like a certain um card store somebody at the card store was alerted to this and so like be careful of like ordering your cards or like how you're ordering cards or or ordering mass amounts yeah or ordering if you have you and your whole team is about to do this you know 10 10 people or even five people go order you know all the glaceons of one site somebody's going to get suspicious and see that so be careful about that but on the other hand which also can ruin your your rogue play. Because part of the rogue play is the element of surprise. You know, if if anybody knew that, I don't know, uh, Wacky Smacky was coming, there are ways to beat Wacky Smacky that are not super hard to tech. I mean, you saw you saw techs almost immediately after right. that were good enough. You would see stuff like uh, Jolteons that were making reappearances in Zap- Zapdos lists. Right, right. Because right. in, in Zapdos, I think a lot of people cut Jolteon because it was not consistent, but you didn't want to take an auto L to Wacky Smacky. Wacky Smacky, And it's yeah. an easy two-card inclusion, EV yeah. Jolteon. And yeah. then you have access to that. Or two EV, two Jolteon, so you absolutely don't lose to it. Right. Um, if if there was caught wind that there were a bunch of Alplumes being bought out, I think people would have, Might have been known. a little bit more, played a couple more Jolteons, yes. or played a couple more Stealthy Hoods. Yeah. I think those are good tips. I think playing online, I think, you know, the other thing is testing online. You know, don't be too afraid that people are going to be ready for it if you're testing online. Sometimes I think people get like, oh, don't play it online, unless you got five guys all playing online. But if it's just you playing online, trying new things, people aren't going to be privy to it. A lot of times what people do when they play a weird deck online is they just think, oh, that was a noob, 
or oh that was especially if you lose right especially if you're you're out there testing your rogue idea and you right. lose people yeah. are like yeah that was free and then they're like okay what's up with this weird deck ptcgo is such a great resource for this because you can look at all the cards you can easily sub cards in and out without having to like proxy everything you can easily get the cards you want if they're old cards so and it's at minimal investment costs yeah time is your really biggest investment one other thing I'd like to say about building a rogue deck is there is a point at which you have to give up on an idea. You know, I've had a couple of friends who've come to me with an idea and are just like, you know, I have to play this deck. Like, there are times where rogue decks just don't work. So, for example, right now there's a guy who I know who's been trying really hard to make Nine Tails work. There's a Fairy Nine Tails that came out in Cosmic Eclipse. For no cost, you do 10 damage times the number of tools in your discard pile. And he's really trying to sell this on this idea to me, and I've tried it. Like I am willing. My one of my rules is try everything, fail often, have good testing partner. So I'm trying to be a good testing partner with my friend, and I'm like, hey, let's build a stack. It seems in theory like a good idea on paper because with nine tails you can use fairy charms. So use all these fairy charms to block damage. The problem is that at the end of the day, a the deck maximum if you get all the tools in, either you've got too many tools and you'll never get set up, or the tools. You know, to get them all in the discard pile is just too much. And it just doesn't do enough damage. You max out at like 200 if you have all of your tools in, but you never oh. actually get that. And so I think we're at the point where we have to give up on the deck. But that's not to say we shouldn't have tried in the first place, you know? And I'm not the only one who's tried this, and my friend's not the only one who's tried this. So I do think there is a time at which you have to sort of admit defeat and move on. But I do think you should try everything in the first place. Definitely agree. There's definitely some people out there, and a lot of people don't like to play meta, especially your local leagues, and they will play that deck. They will play their pet deck and, and see there's nothing no wrong with it, but we're talking about rogue decks that are winning tournaments, not are, are doing well at tournaments, you know, not rogue decks that are failing. <laughs> right. I think another key component of rogue decks, especially if you want them to work, yeah. is that you pick a deck and a set of cards that don't require a lot of combo pieces. The simpler the combo, oh, yeah, the easier that you can get the road deck to work because oh, then you have true. you have more available spots for consistency, yes. which a lot of rogue decks are arguably not consistent. Right. And, and that's, that's a lot of problems with rogue decks. Your rogue deck has to be consistent, you know, it can't sacrifice that. So something like we like we talked about earlier. We talked about the Tangrowth deck. The Tangrowth Absol deck, it's very simple. It is a stage 1 Yep. For a single grass. Yep. And get a bunch of absoles down. Crabominable is another example of that same exact thing. Stage one, single energy, right? Especially in Expanded, where you yeah. have stuff, you have access to all the search in the world. Brooklyn Hill, you have net, nest balls, you have ultra balls. Yeah. You have huge draw, you have like, you have Juniper Sycamore, you have Colrus, you have N. It's very easy to put three cards down. It's literally just Crabominable, yeah. Crabrawler, under yes. it, or Ditto, Star. Yep. And a strong energy. Yep, and that's it. And then maybe a tool. That's four cards. Yeah. And you're ready to go. You're hitting for insane numbers. Yeah, that so relates. The simpler, so the simpler the combo, the better. Yeah, that relates back to my one of the points I made a little bit earlier is that rogue decks still have to obey certain deck building rules, rules. right? Like, so the best decks out there are going to have certain qualities. Like, they're not. Gonna, they're either going to have really good ex energy acceleration, or they're not going to take that much energy to work. Yeah. They're going to probably, like normal decks, they're probably not going to play stage twos unless they have an exceptional way of getting those stage twos out easily. Or the stage twos are so powerful that if you just get one out, like Valplume is an example, right? If you just get one Valplume out, you could win, right? So 
you don't want to disobey those rules unless the deck you know really functions without those sorts of things. Yeah, you can even look at meta, and the simpler deck is typically the better deck. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's a not always you know, true. Not always true, but typically this, the, the simpler deck is more consistent. And well, and when, those straightforward decks, like those straightforward just powerhouse decks, like your. Charizard Reshiram. Attach energies, welder... Play four welders, try to hit the welders, and then win the game. Whereas, or Gardevoir, like, attach the energy, uh, make sure you have greens to answer the, right. the answer their what they're going to do. And right. That's not to say sure. there aren't complexities in those decision-makings in the decks. You have a lot of complexity. But, but at the base level. The basic the level of way how the deck the functions. functions. Yeah, yes. it's super... And then, sometimes, if you're incredibly skilled, like Xander Perro, you can come up with something like Naganadil Checkmate. That's just a really smart answer to the meta. That's really hard to come... I mean, kudos to Xander for winning the DC Open with that. That was, it was really so, impressive. It was so funny, because I remember on Twitter... Or yeah. on... Uh, not on Twitter. It was on uh, Hey Fonte Facebook. Right. That someone posted... I think he got inspired by a post. That someone posted a... It was like a Naganadel Checkmate deck. But the problem was is that they played... They played four Poiple, then they played four of uh, the Naganadel GX with the, uh, the Ultra Conversion, yeah. and then they played like two of the... Two or three of yes, the GX, the, and they're like, "Bro, you can't play seven again against GX." So, and <laughs> there was a little bit of interest. There was it was a decent topic, and they're like, "Yeah, you just play it similar to Zoro Control, which was right. a really really good deck from the pre- previous right. season, where you again, it's kind of roguish. Right, you would attack into a, a heavy tag team meta. Yeah, you attack with Zorark, you would reset down to three with an Aganadel, and then you would finish off the damage tag team. Right, and so the Nega Chest deck was a Huge, like it was a crazy medical because right, but it's also a deck that only worked once. Yeah, like I mean, I'm not saying the deck. Maybe somebody could build a deck like that, but it only worked once because as soon as you know what it was, you just played like three reset stamps or two reset stamps, and if you played them the right time, then you won. I think Naga Chess worked for that tournament because nobody knew how to play against it. Nobody knew that you know exactly what Xander was doing. Probably that's fair. And that's the advantage of a rogue, like a truly rogue deck, which I think that was at the time. Robert, do you want to plug the stuff for the people? Thank you for listening to the Heat Factory podcast. You can find our podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Pods, or wherever you find your podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at Heat Factory Pod and Facebook at the Heat Factory. Until next time, keep it real. Keep it rogue. <laughs>